Mimi Shoneman. Yes, she is here. Thank you again for joining us for the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071. Mimi, you are here. You are ready. And of course, every week you are red hot. You're red hot. So good morning. <laughs> I'm red hot. It's yes. cold. I know. Yeah. A little bit That's of snow just that out red there. Nose you're seeing right there. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. it's been so busy. It's so busy. So thank you again for joining us because I know you could be out there trying to get all these houses that are just flying off of the market. You know, it's fascinating. And welcome Phil Olson, our mortgage expert with Amec. Good morning. And uh, yeah, Phil, so you can chime in on this too. Uh, Isn't it shocking that we're not even midway yet to January, how busy the market already is? The the market is, it's it's just like it went, it it capitulated, you know, overnight. It's like Mm -hmm. you had a little bit of a two-week siesta for the holidays. And then it's right back at it, which is, I think, a little bit atypical for our market here in the Twin Cities. What do you think? I would agree. I would say the spring market started here about two weeks ago. Because is it normally, when we say spring here, people usually think like April, right? Do we hunker down during the cold? That's what people think. But I do believe that there's some kind of cosmic thing going on. And maybe it's because that people realize that they, if they want a house, they can't just be sitting around dilly-dallying anymore. Right. Because there's just no time to wait. Right, Phil? I, I would agree. I also think people are starting to realize that, uh, you know, some of the things that we've been saying on the show is that you can actually get a better deal when the weather's cold. Right. Rather than waiting for the prototypical buyer, which is 80% of them think, well, we're going to move, we're going to buy in April. Well, that might not be the best thing to try doing. Right. And I think sometimes one of the things that we were talking about is that, you know, this life cycle of a Minnesotan, like you, we have to finally just admit, it's like we can't shut down during the winter. So we never get anything done. I had, it's hilarious. <laughs> I have a friend in North Carolina, a really close friend who is uh, a realtor as well. And she was complaining about a 20. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, oh, girl, don't even get me started about 20. I'm as long up. as we mm. still have two and three digits, I'm good. Like, it's all like 20 digits. weather to me. <laughs> like yesterday, showing houses, I'm coughing, <laughs> thinking my breath is freezing as I exhale. <laughs> I don't know. And quick, Phil, I need you to give, because uh, I have a question for you. So what's your, your MLS number for everybody? My right there? NMLS number, which people may not know, that's my federal license. Mm-hmm. That is 238103, branch NMLS 379094, and company NMLS 150953. And what I wanted to ask you about is that we do talk about how you can help people get a mortgage, but you do more than that. You're not just, okay, either you get a mortgage or you don't, and then Phil sends you on his way. There's a lot more involved in what you actually do as an expert than just that. Well, what I'd like to say is I like to tr- bring my client the ultimate buyer selling experience, but I'm, I'm going to not only help you with your mortgage, but I'm going to look after your family and your best interest. And as a 15 year trusted mortgage consultant, my business has been based on, you know, honesty, integrity, high morals, high ethics. And if my consumer is sitting down with me and they're talking about doing this and I see that could potentially cause them an issue down the road. I'm not your prototypical person that's just going to do the mortgage and then, hey, move on. No, I think about my client's best interest because I want to see them succeed in home ownership. And that's a great um, thing to say because I know that a lot of us, from we're talking 15 years ago, you felt like people just said, here's what you qualify for, but it wasn't necessarily the right answer for you holistically as a buyer. 
They were just like, you asked me a question. Can you get a house? Here's how much money you should spend. And some people ended up in some situations that weren't the best for them long term. And we're going to cover some of those today, like you know how we can get people in houses, even if they have some, as you guys put it, some red flag situations as they're moving forward. Because that's a lot of things that people are like, am I ready to get a house? Maybe something happened before. They're going to tell me no, so I don't even mm-hmm. want to ask. And we're going to cover some of those today where it's like, no, the answer may not be no. It may be here's some things that you have to do to get prepared. Right. right? Okay. And, and, you know, some of the things that I, I do provide to my clients is I, I help them with mortgage and financial planning. So it doesn't mean they need to buy today. It could be a year from now. It let's could just, be a two year, two years from now. Yeah. Let's just stipulate that, though. Um, even though you delve into the world of financial you know, guidance, you're certainly not a financial planner. Correct. And um, but, you know, what's that's this this real estate mortgage world that you have to wear so many different hats. Um, Phil right. does a lot of different things. I know in his consultations because I've sat in on them and it's more exploratory. It's like. Uh, yeah, you said you wanted to buy a house in, you know, this neighborhood of St. Paul, but, you know, maybe if you did this or maybe if you moved a few things or changed a few things, then it would qualify you to do better. Okay. Mm-hmm. Correct. Right? So that's what, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces. And Phil just got out of a magnificent conference over the last three days. Yep. And his brain is ready to explode with information. <laughs> That we is. need yeah. to pass on to our our, our, our show listeners out and all our my talkers out there. And the other thing we can also pass on, I know you have some brand new winter edition of your things to consider when buying a home and things to consider when selling a home. Right, Mimi? Absolutely. If you call in, you can uh, just request one from our producer, Ryan. We'd love to hear your questions. Um, what are you thinking about for the spring market? Are you thinking, you know, are you scared to sell? Um, do you have some red flags going on in your background? And then also Phil has a fantastic giveaway that we are so excited about. So tell us what we're doing, Phil. Well, I I would like to get a lot of uh, our listeners out there to call in during the show. And for every call in we get, I'm going to donate $75 to a local Minneapolis St. Paul animal shelter. Uh, these animals are in need right now, especially with as, as cold it is, as it is. And I'd really like to be able to put some beautiful, smiley faces on some cats and dogs. <laughs> Wonderful. So yeah. you probably have a question anyway. So now you have an extra incentive to call in today and get that question answered. The number is 651-641-1071. That's 651-641-1071. And every call today, Phil said he's going to donate $75 to one of our local Minneapolis-St. Paul animals. Shelter. So call in with your questions this morning on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Absolutely. So today we're going to talk a little bit about some of the red flags we see in this business. And so one of the things I think, Phil, that you commonly see is income issues. Correct. And so what sorts of things do you see in that area? Well, it, it really hinges on uh, a consumer's uh, work. In other words, their occupation. What do they do? And then it all comes down to how long have you been doing it? Because underwriters are always looking to see what's called stability within the employment. So a standard rule of thumb is two years. Now, Now, a lot of people think, well, if I leave my job, I no longer qualify. That's that's really not the case. Okay. If you can show a two-year history of working in a like field, 
you're still good as long as there isn't any prolonged jab, job gaps. Because I feel like this uh, red flag is all about Miss Shannon. That's what I feel like. Uh-oh. I had the same job for 14 years, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go out on my own. I'm going to be an independent contractor. So I mm-hmm. technically make money. But it doesn't, I don't have that W-2 coming in now like I used to. I have a bunch of 1099s. So what is it that you're saying that I need to show? And how long do you normally want somebody like me to show it? There's really a standard rule of thumb. It's called the two-year rule. Okay. Okay. So if if you're going to go from a W-2 wage earner to a contract worker, okay. basically you're self-employed for yourself and you're you're going to start doing, you might even put that into an LLC yes. as, as a contractor. So now you have to be able to show a two-year history, but then there's the other piece. The piece has to do, you file your own tax returns. Correct. And then you meet with your tax advisor and they go, well, you can write this off. You can write this off. You can write this off, and and you're saying, oh, I made eighty thousand. I made a hundred thousand. But by the time the tax preparer is done with you, you're showing thirty thousand. Correct. And that's that's where it's really. <laughs> and a, you're like, hooray! Yeah, hooray! Hooray that you. It's hooray that you don't have to pay the federal government. But right. it's, it's it's then when you meet with that you know professional mortgage advisor that's going, well, hold one here. Your debt to income. Ratios are out of whack because you only make thirty thousand, and you're going. Well, hold one here. No, I made a hundred. Correct. Well, unfortunately, you have to go based on what the tax return says. Gotcha. So that's where that that consumer meeting with me prior to them launching buying a home, I might be able to say, okay, you need to sit down with your tax preparer, and just because you can write off all these things doesn't mean you have to. Okay. There's nothing in the code that says you have to take all these write-offs. You just hurt my heart a little bit. For well, that. Kind of- <laughs> Miss I know Shannon, it makes sense. It was like, she's writing off, you know, nail polish, <laughs> pencils. Well, counts. I needed that. I needed so, all those. So what we're talking about also applies to waitresses. Mm-hmm. They get tips, and some places don't report the tip income, or they don't report all of it, or it has to do with part-time to full-time employment. All right? A lot of people say they have two jobs. Yes. Well, if you have two jobs... One is part-time, one is full-time. In order to claim the part-time income, you have to be in that specific job for a period of two years before you can even count that income. Okay. So what, what people think is, well, I'm totally qualified to buy this house. They haven't talked with that mortgage professional yet. And then... They find that beautiful home. And yes. now they're calling Mimi going, I want to put an offer on the house. Right. And that's when, uh-oh, we've got an issue. So it, it's really imperative that that the consumer meet with the mortgage professional first prior to them even looking for homes. Because there's a lot of things that are that are figured out in the process prior to them going out the door with that pre-approval letter. We are going to give you some more information on those red flag issues this morning. We're also going to give you an opportunity to help a local animal shelter here in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area if you call in with your question. The number again is 651-641-1071, and we'll be right back on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Thank you for joining us here for the Red Hot Real Estate Show with your host, Mimi Shoneman. You're from the Red Hot Real Estate Group. If you have a question, you should call in today because not only will we give you the great information on how you can get into that home, we are, our good friend, uh, Phil Olson, is actually going to make a great donation this morning. And again, what are you doing, Phil? I am donating $75 to a local St. Paul, Minneapolis 
animal shelter for every call-in we get. I want to help out a bunch of dogs and cats out there that need our help, especially with this very, very cold weather. That is wonderful. The number again is 651-641-1071. That's 651-641-1071. I love animals. That <laughs> makes me so happy. So call us. I don't care what you want to ask us. Just call. <laughs> so we're talking about red flags in the, the mortgage and real estate world. And, you know, we're talking over the break here about some of the things that we have actually going on in our transactions right now. Um, one of the things that I think it's really important is that if you are uh, someone who's been divorced and you've got a certain amount of alimony or you have a certain amount of child support, that there are limitations and those things can run out. And what are the things that people need to be aware of as far as timing? Uh, there's really a standard rule of thumb. It's called the three-year rule. Okay. Okay. Meaning that if if your child hits the age of 15 and within the divorce decree, it spe- specifies emancipation is 18. That means that if even if they're one month off of the birthday, that you can't claim that child support income. So if you're going to buy a home, it really depends on what is stated within the divorce decree. Okay. And divorce decrees are always required when when doing a mortgage. All right. So for some people I've met in the past, they've they've came to me and they have three kids and they're getting child support from three, but one is seventeen and one is fifteen and the next one's thirteen. Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to give that consumer maybe some news they didn't want to hear when I say, oh, by the way, that $850 you are getting per month, we can only use $250 because the other two children, the income is not going to continue three years past the date of your closing date. Okay. And so you need to be be thinking about that. And I don't know if there's anything that you can do with your attorney, because I'm not an attorney during the process before the divorce decree is issued. Is there anything that you've seen, Phil, in the divorce decree that a creative attorney could put in there that would change that three-year rule? I have actually seen it where it would continue until the age of 21 if the child ends up going off to college. But, and I'm not a lawyer, my understanding is is they normally don't put that in because the courts won't allow for that. But okay. I have seen it in divorce decrees. And if that's the case and your child's 15 and they do go into you know college, then that income would continue and then you could use that to qualify with. So okay. the divorce decree is the is the end all decision making process and it needs to be taken into pretty heavy consideration. When, if you have that income and you need it, right? But Phil, he's saying maybe, maybe not. Okay. Well, I mean, it, it also can come down to a separation agreement. And a lot of people are not aware that if you're not divorced, but you've been apart for a long period of time, a separation agreement can be drafted up by a lawyer and mortgage companies will use a separation agreement as long as it specifies the numbers in there. And those numbers can be backed up backed up with, with basic documentation and tracking. Okay, so, so let's talk about this. So in Minnesota, it takes one to buy, two to sell. So you've bought a home and now you're you're married, and you, but you get separated. Mm-hmm. So how does that work when they decide to go ahead and sell the home? Both people are going to have to cooperate, 
correct? Correct. So both people, even though in your separation agreement it said that you could buy X, Y, or Z type of property, you're still going to have to have the cooperation of someone you're no longer uh, living with and maybe don't have such a great relationship. I would I would totally agree with you. And, you know, for those situations where where the two parties are not getting along, normally that's a situation where we can't even conduct a transaction, okay? That transaction may have to wait until the courts make a decision as to what needs to be done. So I would tell you it really comes down to if the consumers are uh, they're working with amicable you know, then then it's a possibility we can make that transaction work. Okay. And we have a great deal that's going on this morning on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. If you call in with your question today, not only will you get the answer to that question and a copy of Mimi's Great Guides, her winter versions of things to consider when buying a home and things to consider when selling a home, but Phil is also being kind enough to donate $75 on your behalf to an animal shelter here in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. And, and Producer Ryan, I'm sorry, I just had a question for you. So Brooke is on the line and she has a question about showing a house with what? With a with a dog in it. Oh goodness gracious! That's a, that. It seems very appropriate for today. So, Brooke, you currently have a dog, and I you're wondering what 14, to do. I have a 14 year old uh, corgi mutt, um, and we and love him. Is, no, I don't. I hate him. <laughs> um, we love him. Very, <laughs> no, I really don't. Um, he just won't die. Um, <laughs> super super aggressive, barky dog, but we're starting to show the house and I can't put him outside in the kennel. And I'm just curious, like, how bad does it look if, uh, like, your dog is muzzled and in a kennel when someone comes to look at your house? Brooke, yeah. I appreciate your honesty. Thank you for joining Brooke, us on the Red Hot Real Estate great Show. Great question. Love your heart, and I've got your answer for you. It's called doggy daycare. Um, I'm going to tell you what, if I walk up to a house with a buyer, no matter if, and I'm a huge animal lover, and I'm typically not afraid of animals most of the time, 99.9%. But if I've got a client and I've got to be watching out for their welfare and I see a big dog that's not appropriately taken care of, or if we walk in and we hear all kinds of noise, or if they're banging around in their kennel or anything, we're leaving. And, and Brooke, I feel bad for you, too, because I am not a dog lover. And if I walked on, what? even if it's, I don't like dogs. Oh, um, and even if it was a corgi, I'd still like, okay, I know in theory corgis are cool, but it would make me not oh, want your house. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, no, they're not. I have the worst corgi no, listen, ever. That is your best defense or to leave it with a, a really good trusted friend. Um, you know, it's it's very fearful for a lot of people. They have huge, huge fears of animals, uh, you know, and also allergies. So, you know, you want to make that house to have all kinds of Zen things going on in it. And to have a, a animal that is clearly not in a Zen state is very fearful for buyers. So I would recommend you do what you can to put put him in a different environment while you have showings. Okay. Yes. Good luck, Brooke. I hope that yeah. your dog gets a little more friendly. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for your calling. And Thanks, Phil's Brooke. got a, a $75 check going to somebody. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. I'll be posting it on Facebook when we get done yeah. with the show. Yeah. And our next caller, Ann, so you need some uh, information about making some tax deductions from your home? Yeah. Um, well, I didn't realize until I was asking the question. It's probably more for a tax person. But um, I do want to help the cats and dogs out there. So <laughs> Thank you. 
<laughs> Phil's pocketbook is loaded, too. So, right so tell that. me, what's your question, ma'am? Um, it, well, I'm retired, and I moved from my um, condominium mid-April of 17, and I moved to a mobile home. And at the time, I thought it was a great deal. It was a beautiful home, et cetera, et cetera. But now I think I may have made a serious mistake because I don't think that I get any credit for having a mobile home, and I don't owe anything on the home. So there's no mortgage, and I don't know if I can even claim anything on my home that I moved from because it was mid-April. It's not even half the year. Bill, anything? Those transactions are normally considered an installment transaction. And a what? Installment. It's considered an installment loan transaction. Kind of like a car, right? Basically like a car, all right? Oh, now, dear. if you if you own the home own the land that the mobile home is on, no. then then you could you could end up having a property tax deduction, all right? And, of course, I would tell you to talk with your tax advisor. But mobile homes do not carry mortgages, all right? So if you don't have a mortgage on it, then you you are losing out on that maximum $10,000 interest uh, deduction that you can take at the end of the year. Yeah, and Anne, if you'd like to stick around and leave your information with our producer, Ryan... Uh, we can make sure that we can connect you with a, a tax professional or maybe take any additional questions you have. We'd love to We'd love to talk with you further. I think I've got some ideas for you. Oh, that would be great. Thank you. Thank you, Anne, for the call. Yeah. Now we got two. Yes, and we appreciate all awesome. of your calls. We're up to 150 bucks. We hope we get some more. You can call us at 651-641-1071, and the Red Hot Real Estate Show will be right back. It's snowing outside, but it's red hot here on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. You're joined by, as always, our host, Mimi Shoneman from the Red Hot Real Estate Group. Also joined this this morning, Phil Olson from American Mortgage and Equity. And Phil, you have a great deal going on today because you always have great advice. And as somebody that knows that eventually I will want to buy another house, I appreciate the fact that I get to piggyback onto all of the great information that you, Phil, and Mimi share every week here. Because I learn a lot and I'm like, next time I'm going to be much better prepared to buy the home that you know, I need. Well, thank you for saying that. That's mm-hmm. very nice of you and, to say. And ultimately, that's really Mimi and my objective is to be able to work with a client and ensure they get all their questions answered. We don't care how long it takes. And and we want to basically give them the information so that they can be an informed consumer. Well, let's talk about the no money down red flag. Well, that right there is what I would say is people think that, well, I don't have 20% down. Right. That, and I hear that all the time. Matter of fact, 20% down may not be the best way to buy a house okay. for a consumer. Yes, you're going to get a better interest rate slightly. But what what ends up happening is a consumer puts has $40,000. There's their 20% down. And then they stick that whole $40,000 into their house. And now they're broke. And they have no money left they if no anything mo- breaks. Anything right. breaks. Anything happens. There's some type of family crisis. There's a funeral. I mean, Stuff happens. Yes. All right. You know, there's there's programs out there where they could put 15% down, 10% down, 5% down. And yes, there's mortgage, there's some form of mortgage insurance derivative in there, but ultimately 
when you build a mortgage, it should be based on budget. Okay. It should be based on what is the maximum payment, what is the maximum amount of money that we can put down. But at the same point in time, the consumer should have some form of An safe, emergency sa- fund. safety yep. net. Yeah. Okay. And when you don't have that safety net, especially first time home buyers, they don't know that your standard maintenance cost of that home is going to be somewhere between probably one to two percent yes. annually. Right. All right. And that's not until the the uh, lightning bolt hits and it blows a hole in your in your roof and then it short circuits everything in the house. And guess what? Yes, insurance is going to cover a good portion of that. Right. But it doesn't cover everything. And here, let me just make a caveat about insurance. You need to shop your insurance really well because there are all kinds of exclusions that certain carriers have. Oh, but I got this cheap one because I saw, you know, an animal representing them on the TV <laughs> mm-hmm. and it was lovely. And um, But now they won't replace my roof because yep. uh, y- you need to ask your insurance people, what are the exclusions on my property? We need to know that. It's important. I, I run through that all the time. And as, as, a, as a mortgage advisor, I'm dealing with insurance. I'm dealing with the real estate. I'm dealing with every aspect of the transaction and different vendors that provide services for specific issues that can happen during the course of a transaction or even after the close. But like Mimi was talking about, yes, you definitely want to shop your insurance. And it's not just based on premium. It's also based on what are What's in that contract that you've signed with that insurance company? What are they bringing to the table? And I will tell you, I see one, uh, it's what's called an ins- homeowner's insurance premium deck page, comparing it to another one. And your your levels of services that you're receiving can be totally different, but yet the premium can be the same. So exactly. you're spending all this money, but not actually going to be able to get a return on it if something really I happens to your to, home. I would love to have a poll knowing who has read their insurance deck, what you what you got in your drawer or in your file cabinet, <laughs> right. when you got it, you don't know. I'd say 90% of the people have not read it. And it's important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's some homework for you. Yeah. So, And if you have a question today, we not only will answer it for you at 651-641-1071. We're also going to make a donation on behalf of you to an animal shelter here in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. So we're going to go to the phone right now. So, Nikki, are you currently getting ready to buy a house from your mom? Um, well, hi. Thank you for taking my question. Um we have had the discussion that she would sell it to me, and I recently just moved back. Um, okay. So I was just kind of wondering, what are the basics that I need to have in place to kind of get that going? Let me ask you a question, Nikki. That's Thank you for the call, by the way. Um, why do you want to buy your mom's house? Uh, well, one, I did grow up there, but I really love the neighborhood. Um, I love the location. Um, I will over time have to do some things to the house. It is an older house, um, but it's mainly location. Okay. Uh, Phil, I think that the, the first thing that pops into my mind is she needs to have a market analysis done so she knows what she's paying. She's also going to need to get an appraisal and get in contact with you to get Correct. her mortgage started. And then, And then last but not least, you do have what's called 
a arm's length and a non-arm's length transaction here. And since she's actually buying from a relative, that has to be disclosed within the purchase agreement. And there are specific lending guidelines when dealing with an arm's length and or a non-arm's length transaction. In this situation, this is an arm's length transaction. She is buying from a relative. So there are different type of programs and different types of rules and regulations that you have to follow within that transaction. And so you, you need to make sure, you know, when you're buying it, that you're buying it for all the right reasons and that it's still good, uh, still going to be a good investment for you. I see mm-hmm. a lot of folks get, you know, buying property from family and they never question is, is the price that they're asking for that property a fair price or is it all about the sentimentality of it? Um, so, you know, love mom, mom wants a million dollars for a $250,000 house. You just need to be, you know, aware of, of what you're doing. That's all we're saying. Okay. And so if if you'd like to leave your information with our producer, uh, Phil can reach out to you this week and and maybe answer some more questions for you. Sure. That sounds great. Perfect. Uh, Believe it or not, I've worked with a lot of clients in the past where I'll actually meet with the mother or the father and the and the the other party in my office at the same time Yes. and actually walk them through, okay, what do you want? What do you want? Does it work together? And then I can actually help them through the process of planning everything for them. But, you know, the the thing that Mimi brought up regarding a CMA, the, the true value of the home, the true issues with the home, you know, just because you're buying from a relative, I would tell you, you need to treat this transaction like any other transaction. And you need to throw the sentiment, uh, you know, the sentiment out and the door. And that's difficult. I mean, a lot of times you're going, well, I want to make mom happy. And this will help set her up or, you know, I just remember I loved the house when I grew up on it. I grew up in it. But, like you know, as Nikki said, loved the neighborhood. Remember how much you loved being in that neighborhood. But are you really taking into account what you might have to do to the house? Well, you have to take into account what you're going to have to do to the house. But what happens here five years from now, you need to sell the home and you find out, oh, oh, boy, did I make a big mistake. Right. Yeah, you want to buy it right just because it's a, a family member, it, it, you know, and that's just an opinion. You know, we, we can't we can't really do anything about the love that you feel for the, right. the house and the. Nor and are the, we saying that your family member might be trying to take advantage of completely. you. They're just right. picking a number that makes sense for yeah. them, probably. And, and, and then the, 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 the biggest mistake I've seen people is they don't get any you know, good legal counseling or get any guidance from a professional, be it Mimi or myself. And they put this thing together by themselves and they don't explore all the pros and the cons and it's not laid out to them. Right. And next thing you know, they've got a mess on their hands. Well, speaking of what you do when you're dealing with family members. So Lisa, uh, you have a question about passing a house down to your kids. I do. Hi, Hi, Lisa. Call, Lisa. Hi, thank you. I, um, at some point in time, will be inheriting my mother's house. I already have a home, and I was thinking it would be a good starter home for one of my kids. Mm-hmm. What are the legalities of selling it to them at, you know, a, a, a good price for them, maybe below market value, or, you know, so they can get in and get some... Uh, you know, financial credit history going. 
Uh, that's that's a great a, question. Yeah. I, I've done this many, many times where, where a family member has allowed one of their children to buy the home. And in those situations where that specific consumer is is wanting to give them some equity. So in yeah. other words, let's just say the house is worth 200000 and you don't owe anything on it. And you decide to sell it to them for 100000 Believe it or not, we would set up that purchase transaction to be more like 130000 with a 20% equity position so that way your your sibling or your child would not even have to pay mortgage insurance so we'd oh. actually we'd actually up the purchase price so that way there's at least a 20% equity position your child then doesn't have any mortgage insurance plus then they end up getting the best rate uh, the one thing I would tell you though you're going to want to talk to a tax advisor regarding okay. the gifting piece Okay, because you could cause you could cause yourself a tax ramification issue. Yeah, and Lisa, thank you. That's such a great question. And if you would like to leave your information with our producer Ryan, Phil can talk with you a little bit more off air about some of the things that you would need to consider. Awesome. When the time comes, I know where to go. Perfect, awesome, Lisa. Lisa. Wow, we've had two four callers, and we've raced. How much have we we've raised? We've raised three hundred dollars. Awesome. A million Love dollars. It. <laughs> well, yeah, we're getting close. So yeah. we appreciate more you calling because if you call in today, uh, Phil not only is going to answer your question, not only can you get the resources that you need to make wise decisions for Mimi, they're also going to donate seventy-five dollars to an animal shelter here in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. Uh, we've been covering some red flags, and we're also helping some families. Because we've had both scenarios call in where it's like, do I buy this house for my mom or do I pass the house on to the kids? And you're saying that there are lots of, you know, you want to do the right thing. You want to help your family. You, you, know, you want to do this together. I just want to give a shout out to our listeners right now. We love you guys and your questions because what you're asking is what probably what who knows how many other people wanted to know the answer of. So thank you so much for calling us with those questions. And I know sometimes it's difficult to pick the phone up, um, but you're helping all kinds of good people and you're also helping a lot of animals thanks to phil perfect you know, awesome well, we need Love to cover it. some more stuff we talked about like some down payment issues but let's talk about some credit issues when we get back is that cool phil sure all right we'll cover that and more here on the red hot real estate show when we return Thank you again for joining us here on the Red Hot Real Estate Show on My Talk 1071. Mimi Shoneman from the Red Hot Real Estate Group, Phil Olson from American Mortgage and Equity, answering your questions this morning. We've had a great uh, series it's of questions been fun. today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, been awesome. Time is just flying by. Maybe it's because people are like they're looking out their window and they're going. It's snowing. Might as well call and get you know get some information now and get prepared. So I think it's a great thing. So if you have a question, you can call us at 651-641-1071. That's 651-641-1071. And again, get those updated guides, right, Mimi? Absolutely. We've got buyer and seller guides that are really jam-packed with great information. And all you have to do is call and request them. They're absolutely free. Uh, so be sure and let us know. Also, I wanted to let everybody know, if you would like to talk further during the week, you can reach me at Mimi at MNRedHotRealEstate.com and 651-578-2218 during the week. Uh, let us know what your questions are. If you just like to request guides, we can get those out to you during the week. And Phil, how can they get a hold of you? They can call me at 651-238-6748, or they can reach me via my email, 
phil at callphilolson.com. Yeah, that email is very easy. So is the website for Phil. It's callphilolson.com. And you can always find more information, all of that on our page, mytalk1071.com, keyword red hot. So I want to just go through a few points pretty quickly. So it's a misnomer and a, that people think that you have to put 20% down. The lowest down payment option available out there, Phil, is what? Zero. Okay. And you can, if you're, if you're going to do what's called a USDA loan, which is called rural development, or you're a veteran, you can go with 0% down. But got it. Got it. Cute story. Just closed a loan here Thursday for a gal, first time home buyer, didn't have a lot of money down, met with her. And then I looked her in the eye and I said, you want to know something? I can get you into a home for $1,000. She's got two adopted children. Right. That, and she's never lived in a home. She works in, in a cafeteria. And her dream was to own a home. And she'd been told, no, 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 no. Well, I did a Minnesota housing FHA, Minnesota housing loan, three and a half percent down. The three and a half percent came from the state of Minnesota. And guess what? She don't need to make a payment on that three and a half percent. Wow, that's awesome. That's a good feel story. Mm -hmm. And and, and her rent was fourteen hundred. Her new mortgage payment now is twelve hundred. Oh, see, congratulations to her. And And, and she gets to write some of that off. Yeah. Yeah, Now she gets to write that off. Yeah. Yeah. And her payment is is fixed. She doesn't have to worry about fixed rate, thirty year fixed, and and all the money was given by the state of Minnesota. Now, when she sells this home or refinances, that money has to go back to the state of Minnesota, but she doesn't need to make a payment on it. Okay. Yeah. That's a really good program. Definitely. And so, you know, if you've been sitting on the fence and you think, I don't think that I can do this, there are tons and tons of great options out there for you. And I know we don't have a ton more time left uh, on the show today, but we do want to... Toss it out there to our listeners that Phil's got a great giveaway right now. So call us with your questions. He's given $75 to a St. Paul or Minneapolis area uh, shelter for dogs and cats, which I love. And uh, so we still got more time to like ring in his pocketbook. Exactly. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) So, Phil, let's talk a little bit about credit and what some of the red flags you see about credit. Uh, The biggest red flags that I see on credit would be judgments, liens garnishments, uh, serious delinquent credit. And, and uh, there, there, sh- there shouldn't be a red flag, to be honest with you. These things are going to haunt you in the future. So okay. even if you're not going to buy a house, it affects your your car insurance. It affects your interest rates on your, your credit cards. It affects, it can affect employment, gaining a job. So when I tell people, bring me what you've got, I'm willing to help you. I'm going to sit down with you. I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do. Right. But, but a lot of companies, they require a 660 score or a 640 score. Well, we can go all the way down to a 580. Okay. Okay. Now, of course, if you're behind on all your bills and you're a 580, I'm probably not going to have, you know, it, it's good news for you. But you're if you're a 580 and now you've shown a pattern for at least one year of paying your bills on time, I'm not necessarily going to say no. Okay. And, and just so you know, I don't like saying no. I would rather say you want to know something. I'm going to help you. I'm willing to help you. But right now. 
right now we can't do this. Okay. But guess what? We can do it here in 60 days or 90 days. And I will specifically specify to that consumer, this is what you need to do on this trade line, this trade line, this trade line. Or if they have no credit, I will help them by telling them, you need to get this credit card. You need to go work with this vendor. You need to make small monthly payments every single month. All right. And guess what? I've seen people's scores go from 500 to 640 in six months. And they go, Phil, I, I couldn't believe it, it was accomplishable. Like you were the one that taught me that I the fact that I'm not using one of my credit cards is kind of a problem if I want to do it. The fact that I'm just sitting there with it and not making even like a small like transaction and paying it off. I'm like, oh, wait, I thought I was doing the right thing by not Depends. using it. If, yeah. if you've got thin credit or thick credit. Mm -hmm. Thick credit means you've got tons and tons of trade lines. But for that consumer that only has maybe two accounts on their credit report and both of those accounts are at a zero balance. Right. Guess what? You're getting no positive reporting to the credit bureaus. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great news also. So uh, appraisals. Yep. What are you seeing with appraisals these days? Well, the, probably the, the, the biggest thing that I'm seeing with appraisals is consumers. It's a hot market. They think they can sell their home and they have they don't have to do anything to it. Okay. All right. Meaning they have some peeling and chipped paint. That's probably one of the biggest things we see in, in appraisals that can actually cause a deal to go sideways is that garage, that shed, that 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 trim on the house and what we're specifically talking about is outdoors okay because the regulation is is really tailored to to what's called lead-based paint so if and you have an older house is the, are those the ones that normally have the lead-based paint 1978 yep. or prior okay lead-based paint was being produced so if you've got a home that is you're thinking about selling and it's got peeling and chipped paint fix it okay Absolutely. Yeah, that's probably the biggest thing that I'm seeing in, in appraisals. Yeah. And, you know, with the prices that are rising so quickly right now, you know, the sky seems to be the limit, right? So it, people feel like, well, I could price my house just any old way I want and, and get a buyer. Well, you might be able to get somebody that's that's a buyer, but your house is still, if they're not paying cash, if they're financing it, you're still going to have to deal with what the appraised value is. Okay. So it's very important to know exactly what that threshold is because, you know, it can bite you on the back end. And then that's where it really comes down to we as lenders or me as a mortgage professional or advisor, I'm going to look at that appraisal. And I'm asking myself one simple question. Is this an apples to apples comparison? Okay. Meaning, do we have the same style home, same number of bedrooms, same number of baths, same number of amenities? And that's really what the appraiser does. And they put this in a, you know, a 50 page report. Okay. But that's what I'm looking at. And people will say, well, my neighbor across the highway house sold for this. And I'm going to go hold one here. We're talking two different developments now, potentially. Okay. Okay. We can't be going across major boundary lines, going from different development to different development to say the value of this home. Or they'll say, well, my neighbor's house sold for this and I'll go when? And they go, well, two years ago, two years ago, an appraisal is based on the last 90 to 180 days. Okay. Yep. So, and then, and then the other thing is, is they'll go, well, my 
neighbor sold their house and I'll look at the, the neighbor's house and I'll go, well, hold one here. They got a four season porch. They got a bigger lot. And oh, by the way, their basement is finished. Okay. Is it an apples to apples comparison? I'm just going to tell you, um, as a realtor, there almost is, it's very difficult to get apples to apples, okay? okay? Because uh, unless you're in a, a new development where all... They of, built them all at the same time? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. All of those houses are, are very similar. Those are very easy to comp. But if you're in an older neighborhood, more established, and depending on what the, the different owners in the past have done... Um, you're, you can have like what looks on the outside to be the same type of house, but on the inside be completely two different animals. Um, you know, improvements are, are really important, but you know, you're looking at square feet, you're looking at the lot size. There's a lot to figuring out the valuation of a house. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a story I'm going to tell you, I've got a client right now and they, they're, they're trying to sell their home. I don't know if they'll ever sell it. They bought, it is kind of a four unit um, it's a condo complex in St. Paul, and it's uh, kind of like these two-story condo units, and it's all by itself, and there's no other condos around it. Okay. So there's no comparables to find for that specific property. All right. So when you buy a home, you don't want to buy something unique. You want to buy something that's common, because if it's common, that means there'll be that many more people interested in that in that property. Okay. Exactly. So if you want to decorate the outside of your house with buttons, <laughs> you, know, you might you might want to rethink that program. Or if you want to, I was told you that you know back in the day I saw a bunch of roundhouses over in Plymouth, and you were you like, "I'm so glad you didn't buy that, that roundhouse." Oh, if I could, I'm not gonna <laughs> even say that. No, I don't think I said that. But if you had to give everybody one more piece of advice, Phil about one of the red flags that you think you see the most that people could avoid easily, what would you think that would be? Wow. I would I would probably have to say... Uh, I'm going to tell you what one is, and that is taking on additional debt between the time you make your purchase agreement to the time that you close. Touche. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That that is something that makes everybody cry. Okay. Yeah. You know. And, that, and and when I when I talk or counsel my clients, I will tell them now that you're in the process, do nothing. Okay. Do not. It's really take, tough because it's tough. You but, know, you, you, there's lots of things you want to put in the house, but just don't do it. And so. Right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, Definitely. Guys. Hey. Make sure that you go to go our website. <laughs> Definitely. Go to our website, mytalk1071.com, a keyword red hot.